Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Glad you're joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And I hope you had a good weekend and that you got some rest and relaxation. And if you worked the weekend, I hope your rest is coming up for you. So I'm glad you joined me today. We've been really focusing this week on this idea of stop playing it so safe. We need to stop being so afraid of making mistakes. I mean, mistakes are no fun. I don't like making mistakes either. But one of the ways that I've really learned to tolerate mistake making is recognizing that really the only way that humans truly learn well is by making mistakes. And so when we remove the shame factor out of it and think that we're not allowed to make mistakes as we are going through life, realizing that we don't know everything, only God knows everything, and we are kind of figuring out our life as we go along. And that our life is one big learning curve on our way to heaven. It's one big lesson on our way to heaven. So we really talked about this, this in the last couple of weeks, we talked about trust. Then we had a whole week on, you know, your own personal value system as you really learn to trust and then really create a personal value system for yourself. And now that you kind of have an idea of a personal value system, now we're saying, you know what, no holds bar. We're going to really just go for it. And, and we left off last week about this, I mean, I'm sorry, um, yesterday, about unleashing potential and what that really means. And I started with this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but as it is written in the scriptures, no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, no human heart has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So I want you to take that verse to heart because this verse is really saying to people, listen, you have no idea what I have in store for you. And it has nothing to do with your mistakes. Your mistakes are the way you learn as you get to what I really have for you and what I really have for you to do. And what, I've, what I realized in my life is the more okay I am with my mistakes, the more I'm willing to take responsibility for them not have a complete shame attack and be totally embarrassed about them. People really don't struggle so much with them. They're really okay with them. The big thing is, I don't make people feel crazy by ignoring it or denying it. And I don't blame shift and I don't blame it on somebody else or make excuses for it. I just simply say, you know what, that wasn't my best moment. And I'm thankful that you're going to let me fix that. Let me do a redo. Let me come back. Let me fix, let me figure this out. And I just use all of my energy to do the next right thing instead of letting all of my energy be drained from me on, on my own embarrassment and my own chagrin and my own upset and, you know, how could I do that and what an idiot I am and all of that self-flagellation that you really don't want to get into because that really is the devil's playground. 
And so then he goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. This is out of the Message Bible, one of my life verses. And he says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply, gently within us. And he goes on to say in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14, he says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. That's the God that's on our side. That's amazing. Those are good words for us to hear and take to heart. So one of the ways that we identified really not playing it safe. Now, this is not playing it stupid, okay? But this is risk-taking. This is what life makes life meaningful, is to take risks. And so we started with, you do no fear, you engage in discovery, you accept acceptance without apologizing. That means I accept my strengths, I don't apologize for them, and I, I don't always apologize for my weaknesses. Now, if in my weakness I make a mistake, well, then I apologize for the mistake. But I'm not going to apologize for my weaknesses. This kind of came with the package. So the next one is responsibility and effort. I put, I put effort into my strengths and, 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 and I'm responsible for my weaknesses. And I nurture myself. That means I really make sure I have what I need to be able to do those things. And then this last one, I have to die to some things. And that's always frustrating. That's always painful, always difficult. That I want to make sure that I'm willing to die to the things that are going to get in the way of me doing the calling God has on my life. And that's really, truly one of the most difficult ones and the ones that, that we as humans resist the most. So then we redefine failure. And, and, and what we say is, it's simply a plan that didn't work the first time. So now I know it doesn't work. Good. I checked that off the list. Instead of thinking that everything is supposed to work, that's not even possible. That's not doable. That's only in God's world. And actually, God's creation of the whole planet really didn't work until he got back in and had to redo and fix some things. So he's in the creative process as well. And he shows us repeatedly that he is not a God that plays it safe. I love that about him. So as we continue looking at this, what we want to think about is reality. I want to look at what's really real and what's really true. And those sometimes can be different things. See, sometimes reality is purely my experience, but truth is enduring. So if we go forward with this, we say, if you're trying to be someone in order to get acceptance, validation, self-worth, whatever that may be, 
You may be chronically disappointed and you may fail repeatedly. What we're wanting to do is ask God truly, why did you make us? What potentiality is in me that you want to unleash? That you want to use to better your world? And it's going to be unique to you. So if we look at the definition of potential, because I, I really like words a lot, and I like to pick particular words that I think fit the best. So if we look at the definition of potential, we see that it is an adjective. So it's describing something. So it's, it means that it's, a, it's possible as opposed to actual. Like the potential uses of nuclear energy. It's possible. There's possibility when we look at potential. That's what potential is, is possibility, the world of possibilities. So it's capable of becoming something or being something. There's a capability piece of this. And what you really want to think is that when we look at it as a noun, the possibility and potentiality, then that's something that actually may be true. So this is where it's really important. I want you to think of it more as an adjective, not yet as a noun. I want you to think of it as an excitement. It's something to look for. It's something to risk. It's something out there to gain. It's something to try. It's something to dream about. So when we think of this, God sees our potential energy, our talents and dreams. He sees them as things waiting to be unleashed. So why do we need to unleash these things? Well, there's always blocks. I get in the way of myself. People might get in the way of me. The enemy might get in the way of me. God may stall some of the dreams out. And so this unleashing process says that there's a process, there's a timing to this. And we are not to grow weary in well-doing. And we are not to lose hope or faith. That God has put many dreams in me very early on in my life, even as young as elementary school. And many of those have not come to fruition until the last five years. That's a long time to wait for those. That's a long time to believe that God really put that seed in my heart. Because you have to think about Potential energy is what we find in seeds. You love apples, right? Well, the apple was the potential. The seed is, is the potential that holds the apple. We don't necessarily eat the seeds, the apple seed. But it had to start with a seed that produced the tree that produced the apple. So the more complicated the vision, the bigger the dream, the more details are in it, and usually the longer it takes to build. Because think about the foundation that a skyscraper needs in order to stay standing versus a house. A house needs a foundation, but doesn't need as deep of a foundation as a skyscraper. So let's look at, at John, verse. Uh, this is chapter 12, verses 24 through 25. And he says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So remember when we talked earlier on 
about those elements that need to happen in order for me to really walk this out. And the last one that need that last one that needs to happen is die. Something needs to die in order for that dream to live. So when we look at this verse, we love this. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I like it in the message version. It says this, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life, just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. See, a seed must die in order to live the life that was intended for that seed. It has to die. We don't revere seeds. We don't admire them. We're not necessarily in awe of them. No, we look forward to the bloom of the thing that is coming. So what is the seed in you that must die in order for God to bloom in and through you? In order for you to be his original manifest creation. So don't nurse the seed. Don't protect the seed. Let what's inside of it burst forth. Now that doesn't mean that I don't make sure that I just ignore the seed, right? When we, when we plant the seed, we put it in the ground, we pack the ground, we bury it. And then we water it. But see, the watering process is for a lot of other things. So the watering process of my life is that I live the present life the best way that I can, trusting that the things I'm doing in the present are part of the watering of that seed. And my faith is like water to that seed. My trust in God is water to that seed. But only God knows when the seed's going to open, when it's going to bloom. Because see, as soon as that seed opens, it still has to burrow its way up through how much ground to even get to the surface. So this is a time issue. And you know, we as humans, we, we struggle with time. We have a tendency to be impatient. So you know what happens to a seed if you go through into the earth and take it out to see how it's doing. You're going to ruin it. So we many times need to say, God, that's my dream. I'm going to bury it in my heart. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to let my life and my faith and my trust in you water that seed. And if that is truly a seed that you want to bloom, it will bloom in your time. So I can't really unleash potential if I don't know what the potential behind my talents are. If I decide who I want to be instead of discovering who God made me to be, then I'm working from the outside in. See, there's no momentum this way. This is when we see people that are trying to be somebody that they're not. They see a vision out here. They see another person's dream, another person's success. They see what society likes, and they think, I want to be that person. That's working outside in. And it many times ends up in futility. The best thing to do is to really always go to the creator and say, why did you make me? Why did you make me? Why am I here? What is the point? And challenge the Lord on these, with these questions. Ask him repeatedly. 
Ask him to reveal it. And if he's not revealing it, then ask him to give you hope and trust in spite of not having information and waiting for the reveal. So this is really important. See, many parents have in mind the kind of child that they had wanted versus finding out who their child is. Now, some parents are lucky enough to get the kid they want, and some find out that the one they wanted isn't who the kid is. It's kind of like I wanted a cat and I got a fish. Many of us don't want to find out who we really are. We just want to be who we think is good, great, current, or wanted. Who we think is popular, maybe. Something like that. And that's a lot of wasted time. So it's really important that you begin to know the person. Know your children. Know your friends. Make sure that you know you. That you are learning you so that you can be who God has truly called you to be. I want you to remember, it's really important when you think about a flower, you don't force the bloom. The beauty is in the unfolding, in the reveal. So there's a way that's natural to you, and you can trust that. So, of course, we don't want to deal with our internal world. Many of us don't even like ourselves and <clears throat> will only like ourselves when we live up to whatever potential we think we should or could or would have. But if I'm willing to deal with my internal world, all the thoughts and feelings I have, all the disappointments I have of not looking the way I wanted to look or sounding the way I want to sound or having the talents that I really wish that I had and I have talents maybe I didn't want, See, coming to peace with yourself is one of the greatest gifts you can give the world. And this is why it's so important to remember that the gifts that God gives, many times the gifts that are more common are given to a great majority of people because they are so needed. And the gifts that are not as, as paramount in healing as people are given less. It's not because those are the best gifts. It's not like all the musical talents are the best gifts to have and the acts of service, you know, are like, well, I just got acts of service. That's my gift. Acts of service is the heart of Christ. That is what he did more than anything. Did we ever hear about Jesus, like, putting on a show? I don't know if he can sing. I don't remember him playing an instrument. He was a carpenter. He served. He healed people. He was present. And so this is why it's important that the most common gift is service. And this was given to Christ. That's his gift. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about all these specific creative abilities and, and making them in some type of order. We have some when we look in the Old Testament. We certainly know there's musicians. But they were not revered to the degree that we see the people that laid their lives down the people that were valiant, that were admirable in this way. And, and I'm a musician, so I'm not dissing music. I, I love music. I love singing. I love writing. I love playing the piano. But I do know that the greatest gift God has given me is the gift of service. And I do that in my practice every day. I love his people every day. 
I enjoy singing. I love entertaining people. But what God really needs for his people is service. So believing, believing this, if I know who I am and I accept it and I love myself, then I need to do the externals to support what I know is internal. So if I know internally that I have a gift of service and I have a gift of loving people and I have the gift of patience, I do, and forbearance, then the external world was getting educated, going through a whole process of being licensed, so I could really do that gift and do it well. So I want you to, to, I'm going to read something to you that I thought was really important. And I actually, I read it this morning. So I thought, okay, God, this must be from you. And this is from one of my favorite uh, devotions. It's called Streams in the Desert. And it starts out with the verse of Genesis 42, 36. It says, everything is against me. And then it says, secondly, but Romans 8, 28, all things God works for the good of those who love him. So many people are lacking when it comes to power. How is power produced? How is potentiality unleashed? So she said, the other day, my friend and I were passing by a power plant, and it produces electricity for streetcars. We heard the hum and the roar of the countless wheels of turbines, and I asked my friend, how is power produced? And he replied, it simply is generated by the turning of those wheels and the friction they create, the rubbing produces the electric current. So in a similar way, when God desires to create power in your life, releasing that potential, he creates more friction. He uses the pressure to generate spiritual power. See, some people can't handle it, and they run from the pressure instead of receiving the power and the using it to rise above the painful experiences that it produces. So opposition is essential to maintaining the balance between these forces. It's centripetal and centrifugal forces acting in opposition to each other that keep our planet in its proper orbit. The propelling action that's coupled with the repelling counteraction keep the Earth in orbit around the sun instead of flinging it into space. So God guides our lives in the same way. It's not enough to only have a propelling force. We need to have an equally repelling force. So he holds us back through the testing ordeals of our life and the pressures of temptation and trials, all the things that seem to be against us, further our progress and strengthen our foundation. So let's thank him for both the weights and the wings he produces. Don't you love that? The weights and the wings that he produces. And realizing we are divinely propelled so we're going to press on with faith and patience in the high and heavenly calling he has on our life. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And we're going to continue to talk more about a lot of these different things when it comes to potential. And we are going to also talk about stop working so hard. You're better than you think. And we're going to really delve into that tomorrow and end our week with that. So thank you again for joining me today. I love you all so much, and I appreciate all your feedback and sending the shows to your friend. Have a wonderful day. God bless you in your pursuit of your own potentiality. Thank you, Jeremy, for being the best producer. You helped me so much.
Have a great day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.